Hello everyone and welcome back to another Cards of the Octagon episode. This is episode 9, first episode of the new year. So for the little mini episode Gavin did, thank you for that Gavin. Today we are recapping Strickland Imavov, is that how you guys say it? Correct. Alright, we're talking about that card, we're talking about some more news, we're hinting maybe a little bit towards uh, upcoming events and upcoming interviews and stuff that we're doing for the podcast, um, and we are really excited to be here for 2023 we did take a little break but we are back full gear and we are going to take this as far as we can um so i just want to say thank you all for your all support make sure you all follow us on all our social media that's going to be cards of the octagon on instagram and twitter um at 314 sports cards on instagram and twitter all time cards on instagram and twitter and food film fahad on instagram and twitter those four accounts on two platforms are the best way to connect with us. And thank you to all those who listen for the podcast. And I will let the guys take it away now. Yeah, thanks for hot. It's good to be back behind the microphone, uh, my headphones on, and everything. It's good to be back. It's been a busy holiday season, I think, for all of us. Um, we're happy to be back, having a good new year so far. We're excited to get into some fights. First card of the year was last weekend. Uh, excited for the fights, the pay per view fight this weekend. Some good fights coming up beyond as well. Have a new product to talk about. Dominus Optic UFC. We just saw the preview for Immaculate UFC by Panini. So a lot to dive into in this episode. I'm excited for it. Yeah, a lot to go into. Very excited to talk about. And let's start off with recapping the Strickland versus Imavov. The first person I want to talk about is the St. Louis native Charles Johnson, who... We last time he fought, it was a very exciting fight that he got into, and he didn't disappoint. He got a dominant performance, a great finish to start 2023 off against Jimmy the Brick Flick, uh, who came out of retirement for this fight. So there was a lot of hype coming into this as far as the card community goes, because Jimmy Flick does have a rookie in Prism. Uh, he was a guy that a lot of people were looking forward to seeing uh, as his career goes on. So him coming out of retirement was really big. And Charles Johnson doesn't have rookies yet. And I think the first fight we talked about, I mean, as soon as Charles Johnson gets rookies, I think he's going to be a big chase. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting story with Jimmy Flick. He had rookies, had like a crazy flying triangle win in his first UFC fight, and then he retired. Um, I don't know. I, I believe he had like other things going on, wasn't like a fan of fighting anymore and took a break from fighting and retired according to him, but then came back, started training again, got this fight last weekend with Charles Johnson, and got KO'd or knocked out in the first round. So didn't look very good, um, but to me that was more of a credit towards Charles Johnson, who I'm hoping we see have cards in 2023 products. Of course, local guy from here from St. Louis, friends with Joaquin Buckley, trains in Michigan and Mercilago and MMA, doing big things there, and He's, I don't know if he has been ranked yet. I haven't took the rankings as of Monday, but I think he's in the rankings now and should have a very, very big fight, a big step up coming for him in the future. Uh, I, I think Flick was a test for him that he passed with, with flying colors. Yeah, definitely. So another thing about this card that was really interesting is there's a lot of people on this card that don't have physical UFC cards yet. And I think that 
this card showed that they definitely need to have some in 2023. And I think Charles Johnson's one of the best examples of that. The next fight was actually somebody that I also hopefully will maybe get a UFC card this year. And Dan Argetta, he was a heavy, heavy favorite. He was a minus 520 favorite. Uh, it went to an, a unanimous decision. That's how the fight ended. But he showed a pretty dominant outing, in my opinion. I think maybe he works towards getting a, a UFC card in 2023. I think he's a very exciting fighter. I think it's possible. What do you think, Devin? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I'm not sure how far in advance Panini plans for, for rookie cards, but I think he's definitely someone to keep your eyes on as a fighter and maybe someone who gets cards in 2023 products. I, I believe Prism should be out, you know, maybe springtime is hopefully what I'm expecting at least. So, you know, could have cards in that product. Yeah, for sure. And one I feel like came out of nowhere is the next fight we're going to talk about. And Alan Nasasamento, is that how you pronounce his last name? Nasamento, yep. Great fighter. Yeah. Performance of the night bonus to him. Crazy standing submission three minutes into the first round. He had Charles Oliveira in his corner, so that speaks wonders for who he is as a fighter as well. So I think that guy should definitely have cards very soon after that kind of performance. Uh, especially, like I said, with Charles in your corner, you show a performance like that, a submission within three minutes in the first round, especially a crazy standing submission. I'm excited to see what Allen's got and his future, man. I mean, he looked very, very exciting. I agree. This is a guy who, who beat an undefeated Jake Hadley early in 2022 in his first fights, or second, first win in the UFC. So someone to keep our eyes on uh, as, a, as, as a real big player in the flyweight division. 100%. Next, we're going to look at Mateus Rebeski is how they pronounced it in the broadcast. So we'll say Mateus Rebeski. Another massively favored fighter going into this fight. I believe he was a minus 740 favorite. I believe he was one of the biggest favorites of the night. This also ended in a unanimous decision, which I found very interesting. I think the style matchup on this is why it ended in unanimous decision and not a finish. But, I mean, Rebeski looked very strong. The way he came out, he came out like he, honestly, he looked like a lightning bolt. Like, he didn't look like he was going to wear down. At some point in the second round, he did slow down a little bit. But he came back with a super high tempo. His gas tank looked good. I think, I don't know. I, I don't know much about him at the moment, but... He looked very fun to watch and very interesting fighter to watch. So I'd be looking out for his cards in the future as well. Seems to have a very, very big following too. I think a lot of the, the diehard kind of European MMA fan base was, was very, very behind him for this fight. And that's maybe why his, he was such a big, big favorite because everybody knows who he is. Maybe didn't quite know who his opponent was. Um, but anyway, great win, big win. Yeah, the next fight we're going to talk about is Claudio Ribeiro versus Abdul Razak Al Hassan. What do you think about this fight, Devin? I know you got a lot of thoughts you know, on this, this one. Is, I do. I really do. This was an entertaining <laughs> fight. Uh, I think anybody who decides to stand and trade with Abdul Razak Al Hassan more than often than not is going to be slept, as Ribeiro was in the second round. But was what was. More substantial than just him having another Tyler Bill knockout was his post-fight press conference, <laughs> where he just. <laughs> I of course, if you know the show, you know myself. I'm a massive Joaquin Buckley fan, local guy from St. Louis. I have his Prism rookie rainbow, including the black one, one of one. But 
Abdul Razak Al Hassan just completely just rails on Joaquin Buckley, demands the rematch, demands, you know, says that Buckley promised to bank and then decided to wrestle, which might be the case, but still he lost the fight to Joaquin Buckley. Like, I'm sorry, that's that's the fight game. You know, I I I have never seen somebody that that amped up off of a fight that happened like you know, almost a year ago. So it's sort of a strange thing that's still on his mind, I guess. It shows how much of an impact Joaquin Buckley has on people, I guess. But yeah, kind of a crazy kind of a crazy post fight press conference. Um, again, in, in, in my opinion, even with my biases aside towards Joaquin Buckley, you fight you, to win, you fight to win. And, and Joaquin Buckley fought Austin to win. He got the win that night. That's all that it is to say, in my opinion. It was an interesting fight, too, because the first round, Riberia really took charge. I think he, in my opinion, was winning the first round. Going into the second round, it kind of looked like he gassed out a little bit. And, uh, Abdul saw that and I think he took advantage of it. And so I wouldn't say it was like up until that knockout happened, I think Riberia looked very good. So congratulations to Hassan knocking him out. But up until he knocked him out, it was a very close fight, in my opinion. Riberia was definitely, I think, kind of kind of crazy, like kind of throwing, you know, these wide hooks, these, you know, long, lengthy shots. I think if he was a little bit more disciplined with, with, with his strikes, I think he may have touched Abdul a bit more, which would have prevented the knockout, maybe. 100% I agree. Next, we're going to cover Basharat versus Mendon. How do you pronounce his last name again? I think it's Mendonca, Mendonca. I'm not entirely sure, but regardless of this, of how to pronounce the name, Basharat looked great, in my opinion. Yeah, he's... These are two insane rookie prospects, in my opinion. We saw both of these guys on the Contender Series last year. Both had very dominant outings in the Contender Series. I like both of these fighters. Um, it was it was a great performance on Basharat. He looked very solid all around. His striking, his wrestling, his takedown defense, everything looked great. These are two highly, highly prospected rookies in my eyes, and I think both of these guys are going to be chased very heavily in 2023 if they get cards and product. Yeah, Basharat's, I think, someone who I think should have cards in 2023 products. Uh, he's 27. He's 3-0 in the UFC now, 4-0 if you count his Contender Series win. And he's kind of an interesting fighter, right? I mean, I look at his record. He fought a guy who was 2-39 in 2019. It was a first-round win for him, first-round KO. But the guy he fought was 2-39. Then kind of got a bit of a step up, fought a guy who was 5-0, Guy was two and two, then eleven and one before fighting on the contender series. But definitely, right now, proving that his technical side of things, his wrestling, the very, very positive. He's young still; he's developing well. Someone to watch out for, in my opinion, at bantamweight. Yeah, I mean, I think that fight that just happened spoke a lot about who Basharat is. I mean. Mendoza has crazy power. They talked about it before the fight. They were talking about it during the fight. Basharat was getting touched every once in a while, and the power, I mean, Basharat showed he's got a chin, man. So if if he holds that chin, holds his technicality and striking and takedown defense, I mean, he's definitely someone to look out for in that division 100%. I agree. Next, we're going to talk about probably, I don't know, I jumped off the couch when we saw this. This fight was crazy. This is the fight I was looking forward to. Umar Nurmagedov. I mean, there's not much to say, to be completely honest. Insane, mm-hmm. dominant performance. 
in insane fashion as well. I mean, his striking was insane. It looked masterful. His kicks were beautiful. Everything about this fight, when I was watching it, I was like, this guy is very scary, and he's probably going to take over the bantamweight division in 2023. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was... A, sta- a statement performance, in my opinion. Uh, it was a performance that, you know, I don't think many people saw coming. I think if you know people saw Umar winning, I think for sure, but not in this fashion. And to knock out a veteran like Barcelos, who, you know, I I, I think people liked coming in this fight, but I think in everybody's heads we thought Umar would still win, but not like this. This this this, this was a quick, decisive, powerful knockout punch from a guy who's mainly been a grappler up to this point in his career so could be a very very sneaky addition to his arsenal of finishes going forward a hundred percent and umar if you didn't know is in the 2022 rookie class so i believe he has rookies in select prism i don't believe he's an optic and then i believe he may have one card in chronicles and it's a base rookie but other than that he is in select and he is in prism so which is, we did which see is good because, you know sorry gavin but like there was a bit of a time like in october november where a lot of rookies from that year have we started started like to like to, like to lose you know we saw sean brady lose we saw uh matus gamrod lose but now with Ilya Tapuria getting another a big win in december umar getting a big win this past weekend rookies are really starting to separate themselves from that 22 class and to me right now it's Ilya, it's Shavkat, it's Umar at the top of that class right now. A hundred percent. Patty will always be Chase, so he's definitely under there. But Isidou coming back too could be one up there as well. But yeah, that's very true. I think. I mean, Umar and Shavkat. Umar just got the big win, like you said. Ilya just got a massive win as well. If Shavkat yeah, gets a big there win, as well, but you know, Menon's there as well. I think. But I think Ilya, Shavkat, Umar, top three. No, I agree. And we did I did see a pretty decent size jump on Umar stuff right after that knockout. I think the relationship with Habib, I'm pretty sure everybody thinks, okay, well, if this guy has the ground game of Habib and has this kind of striking, I don't know who's going to be able to stop him. So there was a decent size jump on Umar stuff on the market, which is also very exciting. Definitely. Next, we've got Ketlin Vieira versus Raquel Pennington. Tell me your thoughts on this, Devin. What do you think? Not many, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I think we all sort of we all know what type of fighter Vieira is right now. We all know what type of fighter Pennington is. Wasn't the most entertaining fight, uh, but was still a you know a very you know a very good watch, I guess, in some regard. But yeah, Pennington gets the gets the the split decision victory. She'll probably be a win away from another title shot, if I'm correct. I mean, I think they announced today that Aldana could be rumored to get the next shot against Amanda Nunez. So yes. maybe Payton is one win away from fighting the winner of that fight. Um, just kind of a fight that, you know, it's two highly ranked fighters, but two fighters that aren't always the most entertaining, but still very good fighters. Yeah. I mean, the good thing about that is we went from fireworks to Umar little break with Pennington and Vieira, and then straight into Soriano versus Kapolov, which was a performance of the night. I mean, so there was a little break between insane fireworks show, but we did get Soriano versus Kapolov, which was insane. I actually was very surprised mm-hmm. with how this fight turned out. I believe Soriano was a decent size favorite in this fight before it yes. started. 
And so I think a lot of people counted out Kopalov, which is kind of surprising to me in some sort of aspect because Kopalov actually had a pretty decent outing his last fight. So he actually did earn the performance of the night. I believe it was a second round finish. Uh, TKO stoppage, Dr. Stoppage. His kicks look sharp. His striking looked good. Kopalov looked really good. He actually looks like somebody that might be chased if he gets a 2023 card and product, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it was definitely a surprise to me. I mean, I it's easy to remember when Soriano was at one point the next big thing in middleweight. He he beat Jamie Pickett on the contender series, had two straight first round KOs to pick up his first two UFC wins, and then fights Brendan Allen, loses a pretty one sided decision. Um, but that's where I think the, the momentum stopped. Then he loses a close fight to Nick Maximov. And then I think he bought, he beat someone in between there as well. But just haven't seen that development at this point for Puna Hale Soriano at the moment. Um, easy, to, easy for me to, to, like, to see why he was the favorite. Um, but going forward, it was a pretty big loss for him, I think, for sure. Yeah, I feel like it was kind of the situation where you need a bounce back when, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But hats off to Kapilov for... Proving everybody wrong and showing how well his his striking and kicks, like I said before, were spot on. They were actually insane. Yep, and Next. then co-main event, Ige versus Jackson. What are your thoughts on this one, Gavin? Man, I'm very, very happy for Dan Ige. I've been following Dan Ige for a while, and obviously, if you guys didn't know, Dan, when he first came in, was a very exciting fighter to watch, a very big, talented prospect. He kind of had a falling off. Uh, kind of period where it was kind of lost, win, loss, loss. And he's back, man, and I'm very excited to see it. Damon Jackson, like he said before the fight, Damon Jackson comes for the knockout when he fights. So we knew there was probably going to be fireworks in this fight. Dan Ige looked very sharp. Damon Jackson had a very hard time touching Ige in this fight. Ige stepped back, delivered the uppercut, KO'd him. Insane walk-off KO, too. It was just so mm -hmm. amazing, fashionable knockout, and I'm happy Dan Ige's back because I like Dan Ige a lot. He actually has a Prism rookie card, I believe, in 2021. It's his yep. rookie Prism. So I, I didn't look at his market at the moment, but I'm guessing a lot of people with that kind of fashionable walk-off knockout, I'm sure there's people looking at Dan Ige now. Well, and I think we all kind of saw this. We all kind of saw this. All this coming. Ige, look at Ige's losses. I mean, his last four losses are to Avloyev, Josh Emmett, Korean Zombie, and Calvin Cater, uh, four guys that have been or are in the top five of the featherweight division. Yeah. Um, not to say that Jamie Jackson isn't up to level with those guys, but he hasn't been so far. And Ige proved that last weekend with a just a decisive victory, ended with a second round knockout, a beautiful left hook. Someone that I think at this point has to win the fight he's, he's, like he's supposed to win, but needs that one signature victory. And so far, I don't think we've seen that yet from Dan Ige. So I'm wondering how they match him up next because, again, he's beating guys who he's supposed to beat. You know, like Damon Jackson, Gavin Tucker, you know, Bektich, Aguilar, Henry, but hasn't had that big signature win as of right now to where. I'm curious how they patch him up for his next fight. I don't know if I we were texting about this, but as far as like a next fight for Ige, I, I don't know if we talked about it, but I heard thoughts of Ilya and Ige. What do you think about that? Um, I think Ilya should be shooting higher, in my opinion. Um, yeah. That's, I, I, 
don't know exactly where Bryce Mitchell was ranked prior to his loss to Ilya. I think he was nine. But I believe Ige was Ige is around that area as of right now too. So yeah. if I'm if, if I'm Ilya, it would be a great fight for Dan Ige. Great fight for Ige. But if I'm Ilya, I'm looking at you know Cater, Allen, those kind of guys for my next fight. Yeah, I agree. Next, we've got the uh, the main event, man. The main event was honestly better than I expected it to be. Strickland versus Imavov. Uh, Strickland moved up to light heavyweight. He's normally a middleweight, but he moved up short notice to replace Kelvin Gastelum to fight Imavov at, what were they at, two... What's the, what so, weight class were they at? Light, uh, light heavyweight. It was going to be at, light, at middleweight, so the weight was increased when they were the short hardest fight for Strickland. That's right. Um, I think I think Imavov went into like 198 or something. He didn't even maximize, not, not that he had to, but he didn't maximize his weight. Yeah, I think he was, I think he was 195 and Strickland was yeah. 205. 205. So, yeah, yep. it was a pretty decent difference between their weight, but still in the same weight range i guess but like i said very interesting fight it played out a lot different than i thought it was as you guys know strickland did just fight jared cannonier literally last month which is crazy that we already see him back in less than i don't know what is it three weeks to fight in another main event which is absolutely absurd strickland i mean he looks he looked good man i actually enjoyed watching strickland fighting at 205 i think he looked way more comfortable i think it was obviously a way easier weight cut if any um and i i enjoyed watching strickland fight imavov at this weight i think strickland looks a lot stronger a lot physical it looks like he has a better gas tank at this this weight as well what do you think yeah i think he still should go to middleweight though i just i worry about his chin at light heavyweight i mean we saw what Pereira did in the other big punchers um if i'm strickland i try to better my my striking and use more defense at middleweight but last weekend though was pretty much how i saw it going uh i've never been super high on imovov i know i i know he might have rookie cars in 2023 products but it seemed like a very favorable matchup for sean strickland i mean the guys that beat strickland are either big grapplers or big power punchers which imovov is neither he's kind of a tiff tat puncher with his opponent. Strickland can outstrike anybody doing that in some regards. So, great win for Strickland. Imovov stocked, in my opinion, drops for the moment. Um, I'm not sure where, he, I'm not sure where it goes from here, in my opinion. Yeah, Strickland stock, I think, is up right now as well. Uh, good good turnaround time, good win. Back in the win column for the first fight of 2020, first main event of 2023. Yeah, and just before we move on from that, I, I've got to bring it up. Since we brought up Abdul Razak uh, Assan's post-press conference, if you haven't seen it, if you want to see another crazy post-press conference, definitely watch Sean Strickland's. Definitely a character, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the company, man, is what he says. I don't next, believe it, but... <laughs> next, we're going to cover uh, UFC 283, which is this weekend. I think everybody's excited for this, man. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a fireworks show to start the year, man. Um, first, I wanted to cover another pretty big possible 2023 rookie and products and Terrence McKinney versus Ismail Bonfim. What do you think about this thing. fight? There is a problem with this card, and I'm just going to say it right now. There are two fights on the prelims that should not be on the prelims. And one, one of them is McKinney Bonfim. The other one is the fight right after that, Almeida versus Abdurakimov. 
I these cards, these fights, I think they're actually both on the early prelims, actually. So, like, they're not even on the televised prelims, where instead we're getting, you know, Shogun. And I get that Shogun is from Brazil, because we're tired fight great, but these are two fights, particularly with McKinney and Almeida, two fighters that should win, or should have ready cards in 2023 products, and should be pretty collectible, should, should they win. Yeah, I agree. I kind of did want. I like. I like how Shogun is the last prelim before the main event, just because it is his retiring fight. But other than well, that, no, I agree that or Moses and Costa, or even Bonfim and Lazez are all three worse fights, in my opinion, than the other two. No, I agree, hundred percent. But the first fight that I wanted to bring up is Terrence McKinney because Terrence McKinney, super, super exciting fighter. I enjoy watching him. He's 13 and 4 in the UFC. He's 5'10 in the lightweight division. Lightweight division, as we know, is stacked at the moment. So a rookie with the talent that Terrence McKinney has is very exciting to be able to watch this weekend, especially knowing that he may have a 2023 rookie card. What do you think? The thing with McKinney is he's killer be killed. I don't think he's ever gone to decision in his 17 fights. He's fighting a guy in Bonfim who his last three fights, all three wins, have gone to a decision. Uh, so the question here is, can McKinney, if he doesn't finish Bonfim in the first round, can he last? Uh, we saw that in the Dober fight, he went crazy, and then Dober finished him in the later of the first round, one of the craziest rounds of last year, but got almost got the finish versus Drew Dober, and then got finished. So I'm just wondering if McKinney has a more reserved approach for this fight. Um, fighting a guy who's a pretty underrated prospect, in my opinion, in Bonfim. He comes in, I think he's 18-3. and three. Underrated fight here, in my opinion. Closer than what I think the odds or what the opinions are, in my opinion. I agree. Another one I wanted to point out is the return of Stan Man, man. He's fighting Luan Lucienda. What do you think yeah, about this? Weird, he's... weird fight. First off, yeah. it's second fight of the night where Cody Stammen's mainly been on many cards or high up his career. Yep. Um, Stamen's a guy who, look at who he's fought recently. I mean, it's been Jimmy Rivera, Marab, Saeed Nurmagomedov, Eddie Wineland. He's fought uh, uh, Sung Yadong, Aljamain Sterling. I don't, I'm not too familiar with Luan Lacerda, but it I guess it shows how highly they speak of him to fight a guy like Cody Stamen in his debut fight. And Lacerda does have, I think, two wins in LFA, a couple of good wins in Shudo in Brazil. He's 30 years old, 12 and 1. So the UFC must be very, very high on Maserda to give him a big fight like this in his debut fight. Yeah, it's it's very weird in my opinion. I mean, Stan Man, most people that have been following UFC for a while, like you said, he's fought most of the killers in the Bantamweight division. Hmm. And he's 25 and won no contest, which isn't a bad record at all. And Stanman looks good most of his outings, so it's very weird. He's actually on the early prelims. He's the last one of the early yeah, prelims. second fight of the night or something like that. I don't, yeah. I don't know, or whatever it is, but it's just like, this is a guy that's, we know who he is. He's probably never going to become champ, but he's just a solid, tough out. Yeah, and, I mean, he's well-decorated in the bantamweight yep. division. He's fought the who's who in bantamweight. It's very weird that he's in the early prelims. Oh, but it's a chance for, 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 for Luan Lacerda to come in and get a big win in his debut, right? I mean, I feel like we haven't seen this, this type of matchmaking much recently. I kind of like it, right? It's a guy. It's kind of a chance for a guy like Luan like, like Lacerda to come in and get a big win immediately in, in, in the UFC. 
I agree. I mean, that's super exciting, especially for a debut to fight somebody on the early prelims as good as Cody Stanman. Yes. Next. I also want to talk about, real quick, Gavin. Yeah. I didn't see it on the notes, but Almeida versus Abdurakimov. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big heavyweight fan. Heavyweight's kind of my favorite division. Uh, I think Almeida has potential to be top five, if not top three in the division. Someone that I think should have cards as rookies in 2023 products. He's a big, strong grappler. I mean, look at his three fights in the UFC, three first-round finishes, uh, last two by choke. Uh, he's just, he manhandles people out there, and I don't think Abdurkimov knows what's coming, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, I obviously, if you go look at the odds, Al- Almeida is a minus 900 favorite, <laughs> which is crazy. And yeah, so, he's fought big guys. He's, he's fought some big names. Oh, now, yeah, he's 100%. Lost, he's lost to most of them, but he's fought big names. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think Almeida will probably have this in the bag. And that's good because Shamil is actually ranked number 15 at the moment in the heavyweight division. So we'll see Almeida move his way up the rankings and uh, hopefully have cards, cards, like you said. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's see. Next one that we're going to cover is another guy that does have rookies already in Tiago Moises. He's fighting Melquizel Costa. Uh, both Brazilian, which is fun. There's so many Brazilians on this card, which is so exciting since it is in Rio. Um, so this one's very interesting. Tiago, I actually very, I, I like him a lot. He's in the lightweight division. He has a couple outings where he did lose. I believe he's 16 and six. He's fighting uh, Costa, who this is going to be his debut fight. So it's going to be interesting. I think this is very important win for Tiago. I believe he's got rookies and. 2022 prism and i believe select as well um so like i said i like tiago i hope he gets a bounce back win we'll see what happens what do you think i mean it's sort of similar to the lacerda stemmen fight you have kind of the, an incumbent ufc fighter in moises similar to similar stemmen fighting a newcomer who didn't fight on the contender series neither costa nor lacerda fought on the on the contender series they both last fought in lfa Costa has two wins in a row, both via knockout. Uh, he's 26, dangerous knockout power. I'm curious to see how his power responds to Moises's probable grappling in this fight. Second, before the main event starts, we've got Gregory Rodriguez versus Bruno Ferreira. I just want to bring this one up because if you saw Gregory Rodriguez's last fight, absolutely insane. The cut that he had on his face, I'm interested to see how that healed because I haven't seen him since then. But whenever he steps in the octagon, I feel like it's a pretty exciting fight. So I'm excited to see what happens in that fight as well. And he's fighting someone who out of his has nine wins all by knockout. Seven of those nine wins have come in the first round. This is one of those fights where you do not want to blink. I mean, you do not want to blink in Rodriguez versus Ferreira. Two guys that throw, throw hammers and throw with intent to knock someone out. <laughs> Hundred percent. And then last fight on the prelims, we've got Shogun Hua versus, I believe it's pronounced Ihor Potiera. This is going to be an interesting one, man. It's a legend in the UFC and Shogun. It's his retirement fight at light heavyweight. I'm excited to see how this plays out. I've seen a lot of talks about this fight. I'm I'm excited, man. It's sad to see Shogun go. Shogun's been around for so long, but. Honestly, the odds, if you look at them right now, they're not too far off. I think it's mm-hmm. very hard to count out a legend like Shogun. But 
for a guy in Potiera who's 19 and three, it's very interesting, man. I don't really know what's going to happen, to be honest. Yeah, kind of. First off, I like how they're giving Shogun in his last fight, not with all respect to Poiteria, not some killer. I mean, or at least a killer yet, right? I mean, they're not giving him a guy who's 5 and 1 or 3 and 1, whatever. They're giving him a guy who's in the UFC who's 0 and 1. Um, but kind of strange that Poiteria would be that guy. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm always a fan of when I see kind of the legend versus legends fights. You know, I don't think anybody really remembers or has is a huge fan of Portera, so that's where it's kind of a strange matchup to have in Shogun's last fight. But regardless, the odds are pretty close. The fight should be should be pretty competitive, in my opinion, which is sad to say, strange to say, in Shogun's last few fights. But we'll see what happens. If you could have matched somebody up with Shogun, who would it have been? I don't know that. I just think it should have been someone with a bit more name value. Um, I, I agree. Maybe, maybe they couldn't find anybody else, but I don't, for Shogun's sake, for Brazil's sake, I, I, I just don't know if Portera, he has the right record. He's the right, you know, 0-1 in the UFC. That's great. It's good for Shogun, at least in some regard, but not someone with the name value or, you know, the camaraderie value that might give Shogun a good last fight, if that, that makes sense. I agree. Now we're going to move on to the five event main event with two title fights it's going to be exciting man this is where it gets very crazy there's a lot of fights that could shake up a lot of divisions and we're going to start off with paul craig versus johnny walker paul craig's number nine in the ufc light heavyweight division and johnny walker is i believe number 12 so very close on the rankings johnny walker just came off a pretty great win honestly and paul craig came off a very disappointing win in many people's eyes Paul Craig's got rookies, I believe, in Select 2021 and pretty... Oh, no, sorry. Select 2022, and I believe all 2022 products. Johnny Walker, I'm not sure what his rookie card is in. I believe it it may be 2021. It might be in 2021. If not, it may be in tops. Regardless, this is one of those fights where I think we both kind of know... We know who both these guys are. They're both probably never going to become champion. They're both... A, in Paul Craig's case, too grappling heavy without much striking, or in Walker's case, just too inconsistent uh, with not much defense, right? Um, but they're both fun fighters. They can both be very fun to watch when they're on their game. So I'm hoping this fight provides a great opener fight for the five-fight main card in a great entertaining scrap. I agree. Paul Craig is somebody that actually has a pretty sizable fan base. And I think if he gets a nice, nice bounce back win against somebody like Johnny Walker, who just had an excellent outing and who does have crazy highlight knockout power, I think that's going to do wonders for his select prism uh optic all of those kind of rookie cards and i think his market might rise a little bit because like i said he was a guy that was being prospected at one point but then i believe it was on the tom aspinall curtis blades card he did end up losing and his market kind of dropped but i think if he gets a pretty good win against johnny walker i could see paul craig's stuff go back on the rise yeah it's a pretty much kind of a treading water fight for the one whoever wins kind of treads water right i mean the light heavyweight division is not getting a lot of new track, new traction or new fighters in the top 15. Um, so it's kind of like who can stay there? Who can stay there until someone comes along who have, who, who, who have to fight and beat, right? Um, so we'll see what happens on, on Saturday night. Next, we've got a women's flyweight bout. 
We've got number four, Lauren Murphy, the veteran. And we've got number six, Jessica Andrade, the native to Brazil. This is going to be an interesting one in my opinion lauren i mean she's she's definitely an og in the ufc game jessica man she's just got crazy power i don't know i i feel like i know how this is gonna end what do you think yeah hard not to favor andrage here uh last three fights or last three wins have all been first round finishes her last win coming last year against amanda lemos via standing arm triangle choke her two fights before that were both KOs. Her wins before that were both KOs. So, kind of a kind of a killer to be killed fighter as well. I just I just don't see what Murphy offers that can really stump Andrade here. I agree. Next, we've got maybe one of the sneaky performance of the night fights in the welterweight division. We've got number five Gilbert Burns, and we've got number twelve Neil Magny. If you didn't know, Neil Magny. I mean, he's an excellent fighter. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. I believe, who was his last fight? Oh, Daniel Rodriguez. And he passed uh, the most wins in the welter division, welterweight division over George St. Pierre, which was sad to see for me because I'm a huge GSP <laughs> fan. But congratulations to Neil. That was crazy. Um, Neil, in my opinion, is just one of those like gatekeepers. and I hate to use that term, but he's just kind of like a gatekeeper in the welterweight division where... He beats those guys from the 10 to 15 range. But then once we move inside the top five, maybe top six, it gets difficult for Neil. Yes. And in this situation, Gilbert Burns, if you didn't know who Gilbert Burns is, this man's an absolute killer in the welterweight division. I think Gilbert Burns, in my eyes, is one of the best contenders in the welterweight division. I think he could compete with Usman. I think he can compete with Leon. I think he can compete with all the guys in front of him in this division. And I think... I think, in my opinion, I'm a massive Gilbert Burns fan. I think he's probably going to make pretty easy work of Neil just because it is in Rio. It's in Brazil, his home country. I think this is going to be an excellent fight in the welterweight division. Yeah, this is probably Magny's last chance to really make a run. And the nice thing is welterweight gets a lot of turnover, so he's had a lot of fights with guys like Rodriguez, Max Griffin, you know, Rocco Martin, Lee, uh, Craig White, Carlos Condor, right? So he's fought a lot of guys who come in and out of the welterweight division because he's been there since, what, 20, 2015, a right? A long time. <laughs> um, so he's been able to stay there, kind of, as you said, guy, kind of beating the right guys, but not being able to beat the top guys. Uh, this is one of those fights where he has to try to come in and beat the top, one of the top guys, the guy who gave Chemayev a run for his money, right? Yes. Um, so tough, tough to do. Uh, but definitely, in my opinion, Magny's last shot at kind of making a run, making, you know, because he's, you know, he's, he's lost to Shavkat, he's lost to Kiesa, he's lost to Pantanibio, Dos Sanjos, but has beaten Lawler, has beaten Jeff, you know, beaten Max Griffin, D-Rod. So this is a step up, one that I think he has to beat in order to get another run for the title here. Yeah, one thing I do want to just hit on a little bit is what you just brought up in a sense. Uh, Magny has fought Chiesa, he's fought D-Rod. Um, and the, the reason I wanted to bring those two up is because his last fight with D-Rod, he did get the win, but this is no disrespect to D-Rod at all. I love D-Rod, his ground game he needs work on. And honestly, when Neil did have D-Rod on the ground, he didn't really emphasize on anything. I think Magny has a hard time working on the ground like he did with Chiesa, who is a great grappler. I think Gilbert's, if he doesn't get it done on the feet, which I could see, 
I think if Gilbert just has him either if they grapple or if he takes him down, I think Gilbert's going to dominate, to be honest. I think that's yeah. one point that Neil, I hope, really worked on to prepare for this fight because I feel like Neil's always struggled with guys that are very good on the ground or very good at grappling. And I think that's where Gilbert kind of takes the edge, in my opinion, on this fight. Well, that's what kind of has, has hurt Magni in the past, has been he, he's, he's kind of good at everything, but not great at one thing. And at welterweight, one of the most loaded divisions in the UFC, you have guys like, like Hamzat, and you have guys like, you know, Shavkat, I meant to say, who's just, who's just so good at something great that Magni can't keep up. Magni's a good grappler, he's a good striker, he's a good wrestler, but in a division of just guys who are better than him at those things, it's tough to compete at the top. Yeah, I mean, wrestling and grappling in the welterweight division is is stacked. I mean, you've got Shavkat, you've got Gilbert, you've got Colby Covington, you got Hamzat. So, like you said, I think this is kind of like a last-ditch effort for Neil to really push himself and excel up in the rankings and hopefully try to work towards a title shot before he goes out. Definitely. All righty, we're getting into the two title fights left on the card. We've got Davison Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno. This is the first time ever, I believe, in the UFC with two guys fighting four times for a title. Absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of... Uh, I'm excited for the fight, don't get me wrong, but I sort of feel like hype is kind of gone here a little bit, I feel like. Um, I don't know if that's just me, but there hasn't been a lot of media coverage, hasn't been a lot of, like excited fans on Twitter I've, I've, that I've seen. Uh, I think it's going to be a great fight, but they're almost so well evenly matched that we kind of know what might happen, right? It's probably going to be another five-round close decision victory for one of these guys, and maybe because there's not like a top guy coming up, you know, I know Pantoja's there as well, but like I just feel like this is kind of losing its lust a little bit in some regard. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. I, I enjoy it. I really like it. It's just, like you said, I think it's exciting in my viewpoint because of how close these guys are. Usually, I would say that i rather see a finish than a whole five rounds fought. But whenever Moreno and Figgy fight a five-round fight, it's fireworks almost the whole time. I mean, they just get, once one of them gets in the swing of things in the fight, literally... It, it just, it goes crazy. I mean, Moreno puts his hands up. He starts trying to track Figgy. Figgy tries to track Moreno. I'm excited. I honestly don't know who's going to win because it's so close. It's so close of a matchup as we've seen all three times prior. So I'm very excited. I, I kind of hope no matter who wins, Moreno and Figgy have a very, very interesting card market. Moreno obviously is a massive, massive fan favorite, especially... and. For Mexico, he's one of the biggest Mexico Mexican fighters in the UFC, so he's got a massive fan base. But with somebody that we see with Figgy, who is the current champ, his card market's so low, which just is so crazy to me, especially with these two guys who have these four title fights now lined up, fought four times for a title. It, I'm, I hope if Figgy wins, his market goes up and he gets the respect he deserves. If Brandon wins, I think his market will also rise just because of the fandom of Brandon Moreno. I should say I am excited for it, but I can see why it's the co-main event. It's, just, it's not going to sell a pay-per-view right now. It's, it's, it's going to be an exciting fight, 
probably really close fight, but because we've already seen it three times and had three like mixed outcomes of and we've seen everything that could happen with you know knockdowns and submission attempts and decisions and everything it's it's almost like we're kind of still to it in my opinion it's going to be a fun fight i am excited for it but i could definitely agree with the fact that glover jamal hill is the main event yeah i think putting moving on to the main event with glover and jamal hill i think it makes sense for that to be the main event because like you said we have this is going to be the fourth time we've seen brandon and figgy fight and with this main event that they replaced Brandon and Figgy with at the top, it's interesting because I don't, I can't come to recollection the last time we saw something like this where, if I don't even know if it's ever happened, where the belt was vacated, then two guys fought for the vacated belt, it was a draw, and so then they had to go to the drawing board and find two other guys to fight. So I think this is a very interesting scenario that they wanted to take advantage of and promote, and I think it's genius because we've got a guy in Glover who fought Yuri Prochowska. Yuri edged out a win in the last round in the last seconds, which was one of the best fights of last year. And then we've got a guy like Jamal Hill, who's number seven in the light heavyweight division. Jamal, if you didn't know, he's got crazy knockout power, great, great striking. He's got excellent highlight reels. I mean, we've seen this guy knock out in crazy fashion multiple people in the Contender Series and in the UFC. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup. This is another one like the Figgy and Moreno fight that I really do not know who's going to win this fight. Super excited for it for that, for that, for that reason, Gavin. We just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what Glover is after the Yuri loss, after the whole uh, December, you know, Ankalaev, Jan Blahovich fight. We don't know how good Jamal Hill really is either, right? He's He's been tested, but not to level where we think Glover will test him. So there hasn't been a lot of data provided from these two fighters recently to where I feel like we can make an educated, get educated pick here. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think if Hill does win this fight and becomes champ, he's got rookies in prism 2021. I believe that may be the only product he has a rookie emblem on. So I think if he gets the win this weekend, I think we can see a rise on Jamal Hill's cards pretty quickly. (laughs) Next, we're going to do, actually, sorry, let me recap our picks for Strickland versus Imavov so we can get to our picks for UFC 283. So our picks on Strickland versus Imavov, Devin picked Basharat, Ige, and Nasa Cemento. Uh, I picked Umar, Charles Johnson, and Rebeski. So we tied... We tied 3-3. So we we both did amazing on the last card. Um... I won the last card previous to that, and since we tied on this one, I'll go ahead and go with my first pick. I got y'all. Okay, so my first pick, I'm going to pick Gilbert Burns as my first pick. Good pick. My first pick is Jailton Almeida. Good pick. This is going to be a hard one because there's a lot of really, really close fights on here. (laughs) I'm going to go with... uh, my second pick, I'm going to pick Terrence McKinney. I really like the T-Rex. Pick, hey, good pick. Yeah, I should have been more prepared. I don't know what... <laughs> I'll make it... I'm going to go with a bold one here. Johnny Walker. I'm going to take Von Feem with my second pick, who's fighting McKinney. Okay, okay. One of us will be sure, but I do think Von Feem will outlast McKinney in this fight. 
Okay, so it, th that's going to be the deciding fight right there. It, it could come down to the deciding fight. Like um, the two, and you don't get another one, right? Whatever. Yeah. You I mean that that could happen too. <laughs> Let's do. All right, I'm going to pick Jessica Andrade with my last pick. Fod, why'd you put Porteria? It's not. No, I picked Almeida. Oh my bad. <laughs> I did not. I'm not picking Porteria in this card. My I'm bad. going. My third pick. I am going with. Tough one, tough one, tough one. I am going with Josiane Nunez. Interesting. Over Zara Ferrin. All right, got y'all. Perfect. Boom. Now we're going to do a little quick recap on a product that's been out for a little bit, but 2022 UFC Donruss Optic did come out over the holidays. I love the product. Uh, there was Hobby that came out. There was first off the line boxes that came out. Retail has finally come out and White Sparkle packs with the Panini membership. There's excellent, excellent quality cards in this product, man. I enjoyed all of this product, to be honest, from the inserts to the color variations to the rookies that are in it. There's honestly, it's one of my favorite products of last year. I think the only thing it was missing was Umar. I wish Umar was in this product. Unfortunately, he's not, but everything else, man, I absolutely loved it. I think it was perfect. Yeah, big fan of it. Good price point. Quality condition cards, in my opinion. Um, not much else to complain about. I think we all kind of knew what would happen, and there was probably more potential for bad things to happen than there was like super, super big positives, but generally a great product at a good price point with cool-looking cards. Uh, maybe wish there was more insert kind of uniqueness i guess in some regard but knowing optic and other sports there isn't much of that in general um wish there was maybe some better autographs as well but um overall though a fan of optic this year I, I do have to say i i did like if you looked at the checklist before it came out it showed that signature series was supposed to be in the hobby and first off the line product which it isn't um the signature series set is only in the retail boxes which I actually really liked because there were definitely some fighters, some lower end autos in the signature series set that isn't in the optograph set. The optograph set is pretty good. I, I feel like there's not too many autos that you wouldn't want. So it was nice seeing that they put uh, a signature series only in the retail boxes and not in the hobby, kind of just to keep that value up with the uh, hobby and first off the line boxes we can, and we can talk next week i think that's gonna be a good plan for next week's episode to, to, to kind of talk about some of the sales we've seen so far on, oh, on, yeah, on for Optic. Sure. but kind of to get it going briefly though i haven't been too impressed but i think that's more just generalization of the ufc market as opposed to optic itself um i think the ufc card market as a whole is proving to be more of a collector based market nowadays than say investor based ripping heavy based Definitely. And kind of going into that, we've got hopefully a product that's coming out pretty soon in 2022 UFC Immaculate, which is one of the higher end products for this sport that comes out every year. Um, 
Immaculate has three autos and two relics. I'm not exactly sure what the price point is yet. The checklist hasn't come out yet, but they have shown some previews. There is Immaculate Celebrations, Immaculate Introductions, Immaculate Legends, and Immaculate Moments. They're beautiful, beautiful cards. This is the only set that we have on-card autos in, so that's always a plus to see with UFC cards. I'm I'm excited for Immaculate, man. I think the Immaculate stuff that came out last year looked good. I think that they made a lot of improvements from the pictures and previews we've seen with the sets that I just listed. Immaculate Celebrations looks beautiful. Immaculate Legends looks beautiful. And in the preview, you can actually see the Immaculate Moments, and it's Habib choking out Connor, and it's Connor literally, it's the moment Connor tapped in the choke, which I think that card is so awesome. So... Definitely looking forward to it. Very excited to see those come out. And yeah, I'm excited for Immaculate. Very excited as well. I think the price point will be significantly lower than it was last year. Uh, some of the cool things about it, though, you have Adrian Yanez autographs. Uh, according to the cell, the cell sheet, I assume we'll have maybe 8 to 10 RBAs to go after. Hopefully, Jalen Turner has one as well. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Jumbo Math cards. I know the one on the sell sheet that Panini released has Patty Pimblet with like a big, big, like a big rectangle of like a fight mat. Um, I'm not a big fan of those. I don't think they look great or they are great in my opinion. Um, I, I, I'm only a fan of the mat cards from like a specific fight, but knowing Panini, they probably won't be. So it kind of looks tacky in some, in my opinion, I guess. But other than that, I love Immaculate. You get nice on-cards of current fighters, legends, rookies. Uh, it's pretty much every fighter you would want to have a card or autograph. At least last year had one, so excited for this year. Excited for the silver autograph, among others as well. 100%. And lastly, we're going to end off with UFC news, as we always do. We've actually got some amazing, fun, interesting news. Uh, Gone versus John Jones accidentally leaked at T-Mobile Arena during... Strickland Imava fight. Absolutely crazy news to be leaked. Um, obviously, probably not the way it was supposed to be introduced to everybody, but I feel like everybody, including myself, is very excited to see this go down. Definitely. I think it's uh, John Jones. Well, you like him, you hate him, you, know, you love him, you don't like him. He's one of the best to ever fight. And um, it's exciting to see him whenever he's must watch TV, whenever he fights. And up a weight class from his last fight from what he's always fought is going to be fun to see. Taking on a very, very sound striker in Seal Gone should be a good fight. I'm excited to see how John Jones looks at heavyweight. I think he was saying he may not release any pictures until he weighs in, is what I think the, what he was kind of trying to say on social media. He has, he has like he doesn't want Gone to like see how he looks right now. Um, but I'm expecting a really ripped heavy heavyweight John Jones versus a really ripped heavyweight Gone. Should be a great fight. Sad news, though, is that Nganu is leaving the UFC. Um, kind of, it's sad, but also bittersweet. He had a great run here, was champion. Seeing him beat Stipe in the second fight was one of my f favorite moments of his memory in the UFC. I'm a big Nganu fan. That was a great fight, great moment. Um, I do think it's great that he's leaving because the UFC couldn't agree terms on things that he, on things that he wanted, things that... I think he felt like were very, very important for him and other fighters, like better healthcare, better you know connections and better people with the UFC, uh, better spots and opportunities for people to have you know logos on his jerseys and shorts and stuff. So 
I mean, he's fighting for the right causes and fighting for the right people. Uh, it's kind of sad and a little bit, you know, going to miss seeing him fight in the UFC. Definitely. And speaking of Stipe, if you didn't see, Stipe tweeted out right when he saw Gon and Jones fighting that he wants the winner of that fight. What do you think about that? <laughs> uh, I think it's crazy, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think it's ridiculous, to be honest. I think, I don't even think he should get, I don't even think he's one fight away, in my opinion. Um, he just, he just, the problem is he never fights, and that's the problem with Stipe uh, that I've always had with Stipe, too, is that he fights once a year and wants to have his one fight a year be the biggest, best fight ever. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but the problem is right now you have Jones heavyweight now, Jones who's fighting gone, plus you have Pavlovich and Blades, who I would think would fight sometime later this year as well. The winner of Pavlovich Blades to me should definitely, no doubt, get the next get the next shot at a title. Uh, assuming Jones gone doesn't need doesn't need a rematch in there. So I don't know what what, what Stipe does. Does he fight? You I think know, a Tuivasa fight would make the most sense, to be honest. I think. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe the loser of Jones gone. Um, maybe he fights Dolph Almeida. You know, after this weekend, we'll see. I don't know. It's going to be big stuff up. But to me, it's pretty easy to plan out. Maybe fight Tom As- Tom Aspinall when he comes back. Maybe I mean, right. Forgot about that. Could be one. Uh, but to me, it's pretty easy to plan out here. That you have gone Jones, the winner of that fight, who wins the belt, fights the winner of a hopeful fight between Pavlovich and Curtis Blades. Blades to me is the biggest winner. Throughout this entire process, Blades' only two pro losses came in the UFC to Nganu. So, Blades to me is kind of the dark horse of this division. I'm a massive fan of him as a fighter. Uh, he's going to have a great, great chance to become a champion now that Nganu is not in the UFC anymore. I agree. And last, unfortunate news, but as we covered a while ago, James Krause did get involved with some inside gaming issues with the UFC. Obviously, there was a ripple effect, sadly. Jeff Molina, who was a standout rookie in my eyes in the UFC, is suspended due to alleged substantial involvement with James Krause. Jeff was super, super close to Krause from my understanding. It sucks that this had to happen. There, Eventually, I saw that there was going to be some kind of ripple effect with fighters that were involved with James. It's unfortunate because, like I said, I think Molina is a great, great fighter. So we'll see how it plays out it, it's yeah. unfortunate but I mean, I mean i guess it is unfortunate but it depends on how Molina knew he was involved uh what james Krause did was scummy and scammy and not good but jeff Molina's involvement was he just kind of an innocent bystander to, like to james Krause, or did he it's, know what was going on that's what see, we don't know the thing um, is i i read the article and it i did i felt bad for jeff at first but then I read the quote that Jeff stated, and he said in stocks, this is called insider trading and MMA betting. It's called yeah. James Krause. Yeah, so. so so I don't I don't personally feel bad. I think they should both be out of the UFC forever. Yeah, no, I opinion. think I do think um, they got what was coming. Unfortunately, but. I agree with that. Uh, Molina was a promising fighter, though. That's for sure. Yeah, he had cards last year. I'm pretty sure as well. Yep. Um, so tough to see him get out of the UFC now, but is. God, he got what he, he got what's coming. I've heard, I, I, I read that the FBI is involved. You know, this is going to get more serious, I think. It's going to get, for, for not only Kraus and Molina, but for other people, other people who were involved. I mean, I know they have this big Discord thing up as well. Like, you got to pay to get in and stuff to, to have your bets. Like, something's going to happen. And I think Kraus and Molina are going to see some jail time. That's for sure. Yep. It's, it's sad, but it's what happens when you do things wrong. Yep. 
All right. And on that note, uh, we will be ending today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are more than excited for UFC 283. You guys heard their picks. Um, we look forward uh, to hearing your guys' comments. We'll be watching it Saturday night. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagrams and Twitters. That's going to be at Cards of the Octagon, at the 14 Sports Cards, at All Time Cards, at Food Phil Fahad for both platforms. And uh, thank you guys so much again for listening. We'll catch you in the next episode after UFC 283. Goodbye.